what I had done is I'd pushed myself away from my mom, my my brother, uh, any anyone that I had a relationship with that they were saying, "Hey, Joshua, I love you, but you're better yeah. than the way you're living." You're better than so that. I pushed them all away to the point a whole year I have not heard my name. On the day that I was going to take my life, it was my name that a saved teller me. That saved you. Hi, this is Paul Lewis Cole, and you're listening to the Brave Men Podcast. Fired up to have you along. This is going to be uh, a remarkable conversation with a man named Joshua Broom. I saw the perfect metaphor for Joshua's life yesterday. I was in Capitola, California, walking along the ocean, looking at surfers, beautiful, sunny, you know, glistening on the waves, all that kind of thing, idyllic, if you will. And if you pivoted just uh, 90 degrees, you could see the Capitola Pier, which two months ago, by 20-foot waves and a king tide, was cut in half. If you know how a pier is built, you know it's it's got massive creosote lumber. It's got it, it is put together to withstand anything, and yet those 20-foot waves absolutely destroyed it. I think it's a perfect metaphor for Joshua Broom's life because if you Look at his past life. It looks like that Capitola Pier. And if you look at it today, yeah, there's still waves, but the sun is out. And Joshua Broom is a, not only a survivor, let me put it that way, he's a thriver. This is going to be a fantastic conversation. And the reason I love what's happened in his life, and you can see more about him, and he's been on socials and all that kind of thing. The reason I love is because there were some men who came into his life and a pastor who came into his life, who spoke into his life. And that's what we do at Christian Men's Network. We speak into the lives of men so that their future changes from the broken pier to, uh, if you will, surfing the waves. And, uh, you know, there's still storms. Storms are normal to life. And one of the things that we realize as we walk into the journey of being followers of Christ is that storms are normal, but that true peace is Jesus. Because it, it, it may be storms, there may be storms, and we define peace as the absence of storms. But in the book of Acts, it defines the presence of Jesus as peace in the middle of the storm. So I'm fired up about this. This is going to be, this has actually been a great conversation. Had a great time with Joshua. He came into the studio uh, we're going to have him back again, and I want you to meet this man who's gone through a remarkable journey, great big porn star, all kind of stuff going on, fame, wealth, traveling the world, and absolutely hollow inside, and he describes all that. Now he's got a ministry, speaks, travels, uh, was just in Congress right after we recorded with him. And so we'll do another one, follow up, see what's going on with that, talking about the anti-pornography legislation, because there's so much, so many people's lives being destroyed. And uh, for tools for ministering to men, to be, able to, to be able to disciple men like what's been happening with Joshua's life, go to cmn.men, cmn.men, Krishman's Network, cmn.men, and you'll see more of our story of where Brave Men comes from, because this is a production of the Christian Men's Network. And I want to say thank you to all the sponsors, all of our partners, everybody who makes this possible every single week. Uh, fired up. Hey, I want you to meet today on Brave Men. Here's Joshua Broom. 
Talking with Joshua Broom and, and Joshua, you were in what's called the adult film industry. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I think, uh, I mean, I think people have, people have started calling it the adult film industry because we've become very uncomfortable saying the word pornography and even <laughs> saying the word sex. So I think, uh, but yes. I, it's not I, really I, adult though, is right? it? Right, I mean, it's, it's actually really sad that immature. we describe it in that way. You yeah, know, it's yeah. like, that, like, because... The adult film industry insinuates that this is something for adults, but this is not, you know, this is yeah. not how God sees sex. This is not how sex is meant to be consumed. Uh, it's not meant to be consumed at all. Yeah. You but, grew up in South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Went to a, went to a little local church. Yep. Yeah. So I, I went, all the I right was, things. I, yeah, well, I was plugged into church until I was about seven or eight years old. Mm. Then my mom got married to someone that, uh, you know, to, 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 to be frank, not, not a good person. Yeah. And, uh, after that I was never plugged in church again. Wow. Yeah. Fatherhood again. Well, yeah. We so come back to that. Don't yeah, we? yeah, absolutely. Hey, my mom had me when she was 16, small town in South Carolina. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I was in my grandparents home, but there was no, there was no father to be found. Uh, my grandfather was there, but you know, he's newly retired fishing every day. And, um, but yeah, but no, no dad in my life. And yeah. what was, what was unique about me growing up in that situation was the town was so small that I knew who my dad was and I saw my dad because we were in such close proximity. So I would see this man Get out of here. That I knew that really? to be my father. And there were, there were times that he, you know, I, I, that I, I don't recall, but my mom said that he had tried to, to reach out or to, to you know, wow. to bring me to lunch or something like that, or to have me over. But I think him being, him being 16 and then, you know, me, me looking back with empathy, him yeah. being 16, yeah, yeah. um, the more time passed, the, the more shame grew. And then wow. it, it just became so awkward that he didn't know what to do. And then I went from being curious to confused to frustrated. And to mad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, angry. Yeah, I can imagine that. You know, because here's your dad who's himself a young guy going, hey, what's up? You know, to his kid. And and now, uh, man, that's a, that's a difficult issue. We come back to that over and over, though, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. And it's yeah. like... Uh, there, there's so many people that, you know, experience trauma or have a lack and uh, they see themselves through that mm. and then they see the world through that. They create a worldview out of that. Yeah. Uh, and then you're looking at the world through a broken picture and you feel like you're broken and then yeah. you live your life through that broken lens and it causes you to not be a good friend, to struggle to have, you know, success within relationships because uh, you're, you're really trying to mitigate a lack that you have because mm. you're trying to make up for it. And especially men, you know, most men are uh, high achievers. So I thought, well, I need to achieve so that I would receive the affirmation that I didn't receive. Yeah. And uh, it just was a, a really nasty cycle. There's a ministry that, that I uh, uh, was part of a fundraising thing a couple of weeks ago in Corpus Christi, Texas called for her remarkable pastor Marlene, a bunch of people that, and they're bringing people out of the sexual trafficking yeah. situation and uh, victim being victims of that. And she told me, she said 100% of the girls they rescue, which have been 86 girls in the last four years, 100% had no father in a home. Yeah, it's wild um, because you don't end up in that industry if, if you grew up with everything you needed. Hmm. 
And what I mean by need, it's like there's there's levels of fatherlessness, right, right? right? So like there's some people that like myself, he wasn't in the home, and then there's the the father that's not present, and yeah. then there's divorce, there's death, there's so many nuances to it. But yeah, yeah, I mean when when you don't have a voice of reason in your life a man from a biblical perspective speaking truth into your life because yeah. you, you need every man, every person needs both encouragement and healthy criticism. You need someone to hold you accountable. You know, the center of a man is formed in the breath of his father. Yeah. In the same way that God breathed into Adam and held him close. Cause because when God created everything, he spoke a word, right? Yeah. But until he, and when he created man though, he did it with his hands. We were made to be intimate, to be close. And yeah. then he, he brought Adam close and breathed in him. And now that same thing's been proven. I think it was University of Pennsylvania. And now it's been proven in other research, which means it's provable scientifically, which is when a child, boy or girl, is held close to their father. Yeah. As they're, I'm talking about as babies. Mm. And by the way, you've got a bunch of them. Yeah. And another one coming. <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic. And uh, when, when that child is held close to their father, there is a center, a, if you will, a character zone, that, that core that's formed in them. Yeah. That if you don't have that, you're always looking for it. Yeah. I think that that's got to be some of the issues with, uh, because what a father gives you is identity, affirmation, sure. right? Absolutely. So now you're looking for that. Yeah. So you, you, went, to, uh, you went to college, yeah. studied theatrical arts. Yeah. Right? So you're a drama major. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you're a drama guy. Yeah. All right. So you do that and then you head out to L.A. to um, to be famous in movies. Yeah. It's you know, I, I move out there. Uh, I think I was uh, almost I was about to turn 22 when I moved out there. Yeah. And yeah. Um, actually, I was 20. Yeah, I was 21 when I moved out there. And I spent about a year, you know, doing the things that I went out there to do. You know, I I was you know getting a few roles here and there. Really? I, I was doing more modeling than I was acting. Okay. Um, it like was, it print was, modeling or uh, a lot, uh, a lot shows? of like run, a lot of runway, runway stuff, a, a lot yeah. of runway stuff and some, some commercial stuff, but mostly runway. But it was almost frustrating because like modeling came easy, but that's not the thing that I wanted to do. You, <laughs> right. you know, it's, it's yeah. kind of, you know, almost I'm a like, serious actor. Yeah. It's like, that's sure, like, sure, uh, sure. wait a minute. What was that? What was that movie? What was a movie where, uh, the guy was a tomato, uh, and it was, uh, Bryce might know Bryce. Remember that movie? And it was, uh, uh, Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. And it was uh, where, he, where he ended up dressing up as a woman. And he would, took care of a bunch of kids because he needed a job. And so, and so he comes back, and, and uh, the only job his agent got him was being a tomato in a, in a commercial. Oh, gosh. And so the agent's getting mad at him. And it's, yeah. it's, uh, the, the director of the movie actually was, uh, did a cameo in it. And uh, the guy says, Dustin Hoffman says, uh, says, uh, Oh, the d director says, how did you get kicked out of a commercial? You're a tomato. <laughs> he said, but I wanted to know what kind of tomato I was. Right, right. Huh? Tootsie. Tootsie. There you go. Yeah. So I wanted to know what kind of tomato I was. Am I beefsteak? Am I this? And he goes through this whole thing. He goes, it doesn't matter. You're and he's dressed in a big tomato That's outfit. Because he was a serious actor. And so yeah. here you are wanting to be a serious actor yeah. because that's your dream. Yeah. 
and it's and it's sort of working, not working. Yeah, I mean, it was going fine. I mean, you're, I, I you're waiting tables. Yeah, so I mean, like like most people, it's like you know what you, <laughs> you got a script. Yeah, you got to <laughs> you got to mitigate your expenses while you're living the dream. Because I, uh, I, mean, I didn't live. Uh, I mean, I had a history of like living far beyond my means. So it's like I didn't choose to live in uh, to, in Burbank or anything like that. I lived in middle West Hollywood across from the Grove, <laughs> you know, and uh, so I, I needed uh, a job to kind of yeah. make ends meet. And so it, it worked in one of those places where, you know, they didn't ask for a resume. They asked for a headshot. Right. You know, yeah. uh, or a reel or whatever, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I was working there and everyone that worked there was in the industry and it was yeah. a great place to meet people. It was in, in the, on the middle of, you know, in the middle yeah. of Suns, uh, on Sunset Boulevard in the mm -hmm. middle of West Hollywood. And um, so yeah. I was, I'm working there and then three girls walk in one day and they say, hey, uh, you know, are, are you are you interested in acting? Would you bet you would you ever consider acting? And I was now like, this is in your documentary and yeah. uh, and the girls walk in. Mm -hmm. They don't look like college students. No, they are dressed very promiscuous. <laughs> They're provocatively, I think, is yeah. the word that was in your documentary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they walk in. Obviously, eye candy. You're going like, whoa, who are these people? Right. You know, it's it's fascinating whether you're you're at the what was the what was the coffee shop for years at Holiday Inn there on uh, on um, Hollywood Freeway was uh, the Sands. And then you had that, you had all these little places where industry people would meet. Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Which is on yeah. Gower, I think. Yeah, there's one on Gower and there's one on Crenshaw. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you got all these little places and then and then you're there. Yeah. And in come some girls that look like, oh, okay. Looks like they've got it together. Yeah. Got some money. They're dressed provocatively. Like they got their thing going on. Yeah. And they hit on you. Yeah, and they, and and I and they were inviting me into their world, but it was it was not the world that I thought they were going to invite me into. Mm. You know, I, they asked me if I was interested in acting, and I said yes. And they were and they were like, "Hey, let me clarify. We're talking about pornography." And uh, kind of, you know, almost in my mind, you know, the the e break, you know, went up. Yeah. And uh, for me, I'd been I'd been exposed to pornography when I was 13. Okay, I'd seen it before. Uh, it wasn't necessarily something I struggled with, but it most certainly, uh, you know, created the the way in which I saw women, the way that in which I saw sex. Okay, because, so that framed your world. Sure, because yeah, I because you didn't have I didn't have a dad. Uh, I didn't a have role a model. Yeah, outside of my basketball coach, you know, I I didn't have any man speaking into my wow. life in any way. So you know, as far as like conversations around sex or so I had no conversations around sex and I didn't see a demonstration of mm. a husband and a wife that a was healthy. ever in a healthy way. So yeah. the only thing that I saw was my mom and uh, this, this guy that she was married to for a few years, drug addict. He was abusive to wow. her. Um, so all I saw was the worst of the worst and nothing at all. So when you saw porn, what you saw was, okay, at least these people are getting along. At least they're, at least they're not hurting each other. Yeah. Okay. So it looked like, okay, there's something. So now these girls invite you, Hey, come talk to these people. And, and you get recruited into, uh, pornography. Yeah. It, it was so interesting because, uh, you know, like, like we were talking about earlier, um, people call it the adult film industry yeah. because it doesn't sound as abrasive no. in language often, you know, uh, it tears down boundaries sometimes mm. in a good way, but sometimes in a bad way wow. because they used, Hey, uh, we would love for you to meet our agent. 
And because there was an agent, it wasn't just a guy. It was, hey, I want you to meet our agent. So agent was something I was familiar with. So okay. I, go to, I go to his office to meet with the agent, and they were models that were represented by the agent. So it sounds like part of what would be a normal movie sure. industry sort of situation. Yeah, so, I, so, yeah. so I, get, I got an agent. Yeah, so I, I get there, and I go, to, I, I go and I meet with the guy, and you know, I, you know, there's a receptionist, and I, I'm waiting, and I, I meet with this person, and you know, he's wearing a three-piece suit, and he's got like Legit a big, business. like a, he, I remember, I'll never forget, he had this like gigantic double Windsor uh, tie, <laughs> and, uh, but he asked me three questions that was uh, so, so interesting to reflect on. Mm. He asked me, um, he asked me, how did I grow up? What wow. was I doing in LA, and what did I hope to accomplish? Wow. And I said, well, you know, I grew up pretty much just me and my mom, and uh, I want to do acting and modeling, and I guess I want to be famous. And you, you hear, well, I come from a broken home. Yep. And also, when someone says that their objective is to be famous, if you take a step back, that's not even a thing. What, I'm, what, what you hear and what someone's saying is, I want to be known. I want to be seen. I want to feel loved. Mm. I want something that I'm not currently receiving. So that the desire to be famous, it comes from... Uh, uh, you know, a, a really a broken identity. Like there's there's no foundation to to really sit on. So mm-hmm. that's what I was saying. I was like, I I want something to fix my heart, and I believe money, fame, notoriety will fix that. So you got this agent, and the agent runs you through these questions. Yeah, which really tells him frames him sure. okay yeah, i got was, this guy yeah it was it was fantastic ammunition for yeah. someone that wanted to manipulate you yeah wow and then it just pulled you right in so yeah. so and they give you an assignment is that how it works they give you they show up next tuesday or something well pretty much it's like oh step one uh they send you to uh so there, there's a lab that everyone that's in that industry uses um so i mean th- this is probably the most legitimate thing that they do but you know you they send you to a lab you do a full panel um std and aids testing and because they're oh, okay. because because they're pulling data from the same place uh it's more reliable so so okay. that's good that they do that um but you you go there because you to work like your your work permit is essentially that like you need a full panel. Um, you got to show up with that. Yeah, and it has to be current, so it can't be older than twenty one days. Wow. So um, so I go and get that. Well, he sends me to go get that, and he's like, you know, I, you'll I'll have you do a movie, mm-hmm. and then we'll go from there. And um, I knew it was a bad idea, but at the same time, it was like, well. I've, I've lived this, you know, promiscuous lifestyle anyway. Um, I, and I, I didn't do it because I'm like, oh, I needed the money because it was like 500 bucks. You know, I I was making that in a night waiting tables. So I, I did it because there was an opportunity for me to, to, you know, receive affirmation and I was already living that way anyway. And in my head, it's like, okay, someone's going to pay me to do something I'm already doing. And then, honestly, I naively believed how big of a deal could it be? How, like, I really believed it it wouldn't have any impact on me. So I go and do it, and it was was nothing like I thought it would be, and it was so much worse than I ever could have imagined it being. Yeah, you described described this in, in an interview where you said you didn't even look at the person. It was a girl with a girl. Yeah. 
and you had sex with her and you didn't even look, you guys didn't even have, there wasn't like a relationship. Well, yeah, not at all. I mean, so, well, the, the only thing that I knew about her is like, when you get there, you sign paperwork and you uh -huh. hold um, that test that I just said. So you, you, you look at the test and you look at the copies of their ID and you make sure the name on the test matches uh -huh. the name on the ID and you sign that you saw it. And then they, they're taking pictures of her prior to, I get to set, uh, and a, you know, a PA comes up to me, he's like, hey, um, here's a Viagra, if, if you, uh, you want to use it, use it, if you don't, you don't, it's in your hand, it's yours, if you've never used it before, I'd bite it in half, and then I go in the bathroom and have this like pep talk with myself, and it's like, and it's, it's crazy because I, I think this is important for someone to hear, mm -hmm. um, I was in a place where I had made a decision that put me in a situation, and I believed the lie, and if you believe a lie, if you believe a lie to be true, it's true mm -hmm. to you. Yeah, it frames your world. And I believed wow. that I'd gone too far to go back. Okay. All right. Well, there. now we hit the thing. Yeah, because I believed because yeah. I said yes, because I took the test, because yeah. I signed the paperwork. I'm already in. Because, and, and it was almost like for me to leave, like from regarding mm -hmm. a, man, a manipulation standpoint, they picked me up in a town car and took me to set at the studio. So for me to leave that studio, I would have had to yeah, call. To thumb a ride. <laughs> well, that or yeah. I would have had, you know, it would, it would have been the, you know, like, hey, uh, you know, I, I went. You know, it's like if I went to this sleepover and I got scared and I wanted to come home, I'm going to have to call and, and, and ask the person that took me there to get picked yeah. up. So I had to call. I would have had to call the agent and say, hey, I didn't do what. I told you I was going to do, and uh, you know I, I changed my mind. I want to come back. So there's this manipulative uh, peer pressure. The enemy starts working on your head. Sure. Uh, do you, Do you think that that's how a lot of those people end up staying in it? A like, thousand percent. It, yeah. Because well, the reason that I stayed in so I stayed in that after I did that one, mm -hmm. it had you know, it it was the catalyst for everything that I had done up to that point being destroyed and um what i mean by that so i i did that movie it went some like semi-viral and my agent my legitimate agent found out about it it's like hey uh we cannot represent you with oh, your wow. your likeness attached yeah. to this we can't be associated with someone that is doing so pornography you cut your modeling yeah stuff out so you're done and then my mom finds out living um, in a, living in really? a small yeah well like living in a small town you know, Somebody saw it. Yeah, someone saw it, and then they someone told my uncle, and my uncle told my mom. And, wow. she, and my mom calls me. She's like, "Hey, I heard you were doing uh, these X-rated movies." Yeah. And um, humiliated. Yeah. So now I'm in the place again, where okay, I've you know I'm in this crossroads where I've done this thing, and I believe the only thing that I can do is continue to do it, mm. which is not true. Like, I really believed in my yeah. heart of hearts that, well, because I did this, I've disqualified myself from what I want to do. And the only thing I can do is compromise. But always and forever, the easiest thing will always be able, the easiest thing will always be to continue to compromise. I think that's one of the biggest issues, Joshua, with, with men today is we feel disqualified. We've yeah. done something. Something's happened to us. Somebody did something to us. And I always come back to Jonah. Jonah, there, there couldn't have been somebody more disqualified than the prophet Jonah. Sure. He's that guy in the Old Testament. If, yeah. if somebody's listening, you don't remember who he is. He got swallowed by a fish, yeah, right? He runs from God. He runs hides from, from God. God. But the first thing yeah. he did was God said, I need you to go do this thing. Now, it's his job. 
Right. Right. He's got a job. He's a prophet. He goes, tells people yeah. what God says. God says, I need to go to this place, Nineveh. First, time, first of all, it's non-Jewish, which is at the time he's only speaking to Jewish people. So here's these, this area, bunch of bad guys, Nineveh, 150,000 pirates. And God tells Jonah, I need to go, go tell those guys if they repent, I'll spare their city. And Jonah says to God, no, nah, I think it's a bad idea. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think you've lost it. Yeah. So you imagine this conversation. So if anybody would ever have been disqualified, it's Jonah. Sure. And yet when he became suicidal, he's on this boat, he's in a storm, becomes suicidal. He said, hey, just throw me overboard. Yeah. I'll end my life. What does God do? He sends a fish to swallow him. Why? Yeah. Not out of judgment, but out of God's mercy. Yeah. So his mercy saved his life. And then it says three days later, he's in the fish and then the fish vomits him up on the short Nineveh. Mercy saved his life. Grace put him back into his destiny. Man, I, I never, I'm just thinking like how much that is true in my own life. Wow. Yeah. You know, so I. Yeah. You got swallowed by a whale. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like you were in the midst of the storm, man. Wow. And it was what, what, what I mean specifically is, you know, so I, I do that. I do that one film. And then I believe the lie that, well, there's nothing else I can do. And then I stay in that industry for six years, did over a thousand movies, oh. um, you know, but again, uh, okay, I'm doing something that I don't want to do, but I'm going to be the best at it because I need to feel that affirmation. I need yeah, that. Hey, I'm the, I'm the best. I'm not, if you're going to do it, I'm just going to be the best. At yeah. It. I mean, I, I, yeah. and, but, uh, but that quality redeemed for the glory of God is a great thing. You know, yeah, of course, um, I'm going to do things with because absolutely excellence mm -hmm. honors God, you know, yeah, great no work question. ethic honors God. So I, I believed, OK, well, I'm going to become the best and believing that I would receive something that I needed that I didn't have. Mm -hmm. But if I earned it, I would get it. And I made the money, you know, became famous, did all the things. And I was actually nominated for performer of the year four years in a row. And then I won it in 2012. And when I won it. It was the worst day of my life because yeah. I felt good for about 15 minutes yeah. until reality came crashing down. It's like, well, guess what? You have everything that you thought would make you yeah. happy, yet you sit here miserable. And then the depression, it deepened, <laughs> the anxiety was amplified. And I found myself making a very detailed plan to take my life. Wow. I, I, you said in an interview, I, I took a shower. I took showers after every day. Yeah. And I never could feel clean. Yeah, man, it was, uh, there's this scene in, um, gosh, uh, what's the movie? Redeeming Love. Mm. There's this scene in Redeeming Love where she's, uh, she's gone back to prostitution and then she just hates herself for it. And she's in this like spring and she has rocks and she's like scrubbing her skin to the point where she's bleeding. Wow. And gosh, man, I, I wept when I saw that because there were many a times where um, no much, no matter how much soap I put on my body, no matter how hard I, hard I scrubbed, uh, I still felt disgusting. And I mm. felt like it was literal filth on me. And I felt like other people could see it. Um, and I just wanted it off of me. So this industry, and I want to get back into the part where you meet hope. And, yeah. and uh, when I say meet hope, it's yeah. actually a person. Yeah. So, you, well, hope is a person. Yeah. Hope's Jesus. And yeah. then hope your wife. Yeah. I mean, it's an amazing story of redemption. But let me let me just uh, let's open up some things right here for some some guys who have problems with 
with pornography or get into it. You know, uh, what we know is per- pornography, because of the Internet, because of the, it's available on somebody's phone, sure. it's pervasive. It's in every culture of the world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, a hundred billion dollar industry makes a hundred billion. Yeah. It makes more money than the NFL, the NBA and Major League Baseball all combined. It's uh, it's 33 percent of the data transferred on the Internet on a daily basis is pornography. So a lot of people know this. Right. That are in those businesses. And they do it because it makes money. Sure. I mean, uh, Pornhub was just, you know, someone uh, I was actually with uh, this young lady. Her name's Arden. And she went on this, you know, this this inner this date. He assumed it was a date, but it was this meeting where uh, he verbally said, uh, we know that there is things that should uh, should not be on our site. And we're not proactively um, looking to take them down. Mm. You know, there's there's rape, there's you know, mm. child pornography, there's there's people that have not given proper consent for right. things to be on there, and those things are on there. And if they get legal requests to take them down, they do, but they're not proactively looking for them because they're making it's making money billions b with a b. They're making billions of dollars. So he said, no, we're we're not concerned with that. We are aware that it happens, but we're not proactively looking for it. So. Uh, a very evil industry that's preying yeah. on uh, vulnerable people. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's everywhere. And a lot of people working in it that are just there. It's their normal working job. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say uh, the the industry in itself, um, it, it's a, it's relatively small, okay. um, but the expansion of OnlyFans and, 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 and all of this other stuff that is the byproduct of, uh-huh. of a bit growing from that nucleus. It's, it's becoming pretty astronomical. And, and so now, uh, you know, I know there's, there's all kinds of pornography. But in particular, when we're talking about young ladies that get involved in this culture. Yeah. You know, what I've read is it, is it just basically they're constantly recruiting. Sure. Well, I mean. Because they're just blowing people through. Yeah. I mean, right? the, the, the girls have a very short shelf life. Like, you yeah. know, like someone that makes it to 30 is, you know, that, that, that's, not, that's not common. So for me, um, every single girl that I met, they were either being, you know, they, they were sexually assaulted or abused as a kid. Um, they were, uh, they were being trafficked and then they started doing porn and that was a better option where they they were, you know, they had someone like a Mm -hmm. pimp or, or whatever, and they were putting them in very dangerous situations often where they were beaten and all these things. So pornography is not something they wanted to do. But since it got them out of a worse thing. Right. Oh, and then in I would say probably 75 percent of the people. So I was in the industry like, you know, we're we're going back to 2006. So on Craigslist, there would be, um, you know, some legitimate there would be, uh, hey, uh, this is a, a, a photo shoot. A photographer is doing a photo shoot for a company. They've outsourced them or whatever. Yeah. And there's a, you're thinking it's a legitimate photo shoot. It's they, a trap. They sh- yeah. They show up and then they ask them to take off this, take off this, take off this. And then when the girl says, hey, I'm uncomfortable. I don't want to take off any more clothes. They said, well, you signed a, a release prior to me starting to take these pictures. I'm going to use them no matter what. And if you want to get paid, you're going to continue with what I want you to do. Yeah, yeah. And nine and times out desperate. of ten, yeah, nine times out of ten, they say okay because number one, they're scared, and number two, you know, 
they're, they're desperate. So, and then also there's a level of shame where it's like, if you say, yeah. Hey, I'm going to, it doesn't matter what you do. You've already did it because I mean, that's the lie because you've already done. This is who you are. You are your behavior. You are your mistake. You are your trauma. And if you see yourself in that way, then of course those things are going to dictate what you do. You know, I, uh, so basically everybody in, everybody in this industry is a victim. Sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, you sit down, I mean, to this day, sit down with anyone in that industry. And I'm talking specifically the top three to five percenters, mm-hmm. um, the people at the top of the industry, they're making, you know, high six figures. They, they, they're saying they love their job yeah. yet. You say, Hey, if you could do anything, what would you do? Zero percent of people are going to say, yeah. I want to continue doing porn. No, there's a passion that's in you, that's in your DNA that you can't explain that sh- that would give you the most joy if you were doing that thing that is from God. There's gifts and talents and abilities right. and plans and purpose for your life right. that you desire to carry out. Yet pain, trauma, sin, it causes you to distort that that vision for your life. Yeah. And you believe, well, I'm disqualified from that. No one would ever invite me into that. There's no way that I could ever pursue that. So you have to say, I love my job because the dream that you have for yourself is dead. Yeah. And, and you've got to maintain some sort of sense of self-worth. Sure. Because I have to, I have to say, I love my job because if I don't, what am I going to do? I hate what I do, but I'm just stuck being a prostitute. (laughs) Yeah. Like, because that's really what it is. And so now, uh, everybody's a victim. Yeah. It's not real. So when people are watching things. Well, yeah, I mean, you're you're so a man and a, a man and a girl are in a room, mm-hmm. but they're the guy is taking erectile dysfunction medication. The girl is using some kind of like numbing, like lubrication. Yeah. Uh, the director is telling them what to do. They're being paid to do it. There's a there's, whole there's, crew there's, of people there. Yeah, There's a crew of people there. There's there's multiple shots. There's they're going edits, on. There's yeah. cuts. There's you know, there's there's girls that are stopping saying, you know, I, I this is uncomfortable. I don't yeah. want to do this. And there's, there's lunch call. Yeah. And like literally. Stop. Well, the see, crew is there. Yeah. I mean, there's literally a, a full crew of people. So you get exposed to a degree. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously you're naked, but like you're exposed doing yeah. something that's meant to be an, yeah. uh, an act of intimacy Holy between matrimony. yeah, between a man and, and, and his wife. And, and, and Jesus, and, you know, yeah, it's uh, it's what uh, what my friend Jim Garlow, Dr. Jim Garlow said years ago. I remember when he was my pastor and. He said, uh, he was talking to all the men at the church, and he said, uh, you've got to remember one thing. This is somebody's daughter, somebody's little girl. Somebody prayed over this girl. Somebody, you know, somebody wanted the right thing to happen, and then and maybe life fell apart. And like we talked about, so many, you know, well, basically what uh, what they said, what Marlene said was, 80, out of the 86 women they rescued, 100% hadn't, didn't have a father at the home. Yeah. So when we do what we do with Christian Men's Network, when we talk about raising up fathers, we're talking about rescuing people from this kind of yeah. lifestyle. And uh, let me mention this, Joshua Broom, talking with Joshua Broom, that's with an E on the end of right. uh, Broom, Joshua Broom, O-O-M-E dot M-E, right? That's Joshua my, Broom, yep. M-E dot M-E. And uh, that's your website. You've got a podcast, Counterfeit Culture, and... Uh, and I mean, there's, there's probably people who want you to come and speak. So that's your contact info is on there. 
Uh, there's also help with porn addiction. Tell me about that real quick, and then we'll get back into the testimony. Yeah, so that uh, so that is something I did a few years ago that's still on my website. So I partnered with uh, a few other people, and from a men's perspective and from a women's perspective, yeah. theologically, th- this is what it looks like to identify what porn is, why is it bad for you, uh, what what is it going to cost you to be free free yeah. from it. You know, so, so yeah. it's you know what is true, and then what does repentance look like, and then the practicality of of, you know, bringing accountability into your life, removing triggers from your life, um, taking inventory of your life and removing anything that could uh, cause you to stumble back into the thing that you're running from. You know, that struggle with that Romans 7 is like, why, why, why so is it so good, difficult man. to do yeah. the things that I want to do? And why do I find myself wanting to do the things yeah. that I ought not yeah, do? That's, you know? that's the Apostle Paul. And yeah. he said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things yeah. I don't want to do, I do. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like uh, we deal with temptation in our lives, you know, and Jesus was tempted. And the thing we have to remember as men is that temptation is not sin. Right. It's what you do with it. We're all tempted. Yeah. You know, I I like to mention to guys before you became a follower of Christ, you really never dealt with temptation. It was always called opportunity. Sure. That's true. That's so true. So now I'm dealing with ah, temptation. Yeah. But the fact is, is that I think that you said something right there. so good, which is removing triggers, yeah. trigger points, right? Yeah. Like, don't put yourself in the position. Well, yeah. If, 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 if there's you, something on the floor that I continue to trip over, I'm going to continue <laughs> to trip over it unless I move the thing that <laughs> I'm tripping I over. Move it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's practical. So what, what does that look like uh, in your life? Maybe uh, it's not like for a season, maybe social media is not a healthy place for you to be. Right. Uh, maybe for a season, I need to have a flip phone. Yeah. You know, maybe for a season, <laughs> you know, like maybe bring for back a, the flip phone. Yeah. Man. Because what I need to do, it's like, yeah. I got really good at sinning. So I need to be really aggressive in my yeah. pursuit of purity. Wow. That's really good right there. Um, I, I told one guy once, I said, you know, because he was having a problem with his, with pornography and he's getting late at night and I said, put yeah. your computer in the kitchen. Yeah. I mean that, that like the, the, the most <laughs> I mean, like practical on. thing that I did, I like, I, I stopped bringing my phone or computer into my bedroom or my bathroom. Wow. Just simple as that. So smart, man. So it's little things like that. Sure. That, when you have that moment, you also mentioned, uh, uh, I want to get back into the story, but why is porn bad? There's this big discussion with Dennis Prager and all these guys where they started talking about. Yeah, he, he started backpedaling pretty quick, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did, didn't he? <laughs> you know. Yeah, but, but I would just say, yeah. um, for me, when, uh, you know, I, I've been just absolutely blessed for, you know, the, over the last three years, I probably, you know, spoke at about 80 different churches. Mm. And, um, I always begin like this. If you're in this room and you're a follower of Jesus, Romans 8, 1 is true. Like there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ mm-hmm. Jesus. So shame and guilt have no place here. And if you're feeling ashamed and guilty, those are tools of the enemy that keep you stuck where you are. Wow. But, but if you are a follower of Jesus, there is conviction that comes from the, from the Lord. Yeah. And it's an opportunity to seek restoration. It's yeah. an opportunity to seek that freedom because you do not have to stay stuck where you are, but it has to start with you acknowledging what I'm doing is not good for me. Yeah. And, it, and then I would say, is each and every person worthy of human dignity? And I've never heard anyone say no. Is wow. each and every person deserving of human dignity? So if that's true, when you watch porn, you're looking at a person and you're using them like a product. And mm. we're supposed to use things 
and love people. And you're actually watching somebody be robbed of their human dignity. Sure. And no what matter you, what it is. And what you don't know, here's the reality. What you don't know, did that person want to be there? Is wow. there a pimp in the corner forcing that girl to be yeah, there? No Was question. that an actual rape? Do you, you don't even know wow. what you're Jesus. watching. You don't know the oh person. You don't know if there's, there was mm. consent. You don't know if there was a, there was a, a gun in the corner and a, and a, a yeah. camera. They are capturing something that they didn't know they were being filmed. Oh. You don't know the reality of that. And what's true is like, well, like Josh, you're being, you know, you're, you're going too far. Well, there was about 8,000 of films of what I just described taken down off of Pornhub in a month. Really? That's when MasterCard, wow. Visa, AMX, they stopped allowing, uh, a, they, they stopped allowing those uh, credit card transactions because so a hundred billion dollar industry pornography mm. fueled by viewership. It's monetized like YouTube. So the way it makes wow. money is people watch it. And then when people watch it, there's ads that can be ran. Wow. So they, you know, the MasterCard, Visa, AMX, they pulled access to those ads because there was found child pornography, rape, yeah. all these things yeah. that were there and they weren't doing anything about it. Wow. Well, I'm so glad that there are people who are really involved in that kind of thing. You know, for me, pornography for a lot of men is, is no different than it just becomes a religion. Sure. In which the act of masturbation is an act of worship. Yeah. And so what happens in a man's life is that when he gets caught up in that. Sure. Becomes the center of his life. And I've, I've just talked to too many men who I'm like, dude, really? You actually went at your lunchtime, went somewhere yeah. in order to watch some porn because you just had to have that. Yeah. And, it, and I think fix. It, yeah. And, and at the end of the day, there's something that happened or something you didn't have mm. that led you to consume that, believing that it was going to fill that gap. Yeah. Now, let's get back on this and I want to get back in your story. Uh, the uh, for me, porn, what porn does is cause people not to think straight. Sure. OK, it, it fogs the mind. Yeah, so I now mean, now you've lost your ability to make proper decisions. Sure. Right. Yeah. So when usually what happens to the guy will tell me, he says, uh, yeah, I just never expected to be here. Sure. But, yeah, well, well, of course well, not. The, well, that's the thing. Because about, you just, it just kind of slid into it. Yeah. Well, that's the way that compromise works. Compromise right. always leads to further compromise. Come on. Because you if you like the enemy wants you to believe you're you're never going to go past how far you just went. That's the guy. The guy told me, Joshua, the one guy told me, Gus. I said, how are you doing on that thing? He said, I'm doing pretty good. So he said, I said, oh, that's awesome. He says, yeah, I'm only going to the really safe porn sites. Mm. You go, dude, what? What? Right. What did you just say? It's, uh, as you, we just delude ourselves. We are master negotiators with our own mind. Sure. And we'll tell ourselves, nah, this is okay. I'm okay with this. But the lie, that's a lie. And it'll just drop us right off the end of the world. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and that's just kind of like where I got to, like in my, in my own story, it's like, okay, I believed with, with a hundred percent, like this was, this is what was true to me. Um, I'm the thing that I wanted to be most was a father. The thing that I wanted wow. to do, the thing that I wanted to become most was respected. Wow. No, uh, there, there's no way that I'm ever going to marry someone that where I can be a husband. Yeah. Like sure. I could find a girl to marry yeah. me, but there's no way that I could find someone where I could be a husband. 
uh, that, that, that had values, that, that treated her with respect. And then I was like, gosh, I'll, I'll never be a father. Like, sure, I can get someone pregnant, but I'll never, I don't have the capacity yeah, to so a father. So there's self-talk. The yeah. enemy's just hitting you yeah. with this self-talk. It's and then it's like, negative, negative. Yeah. And it's like, I, the thing that I want, the, the thing that I'm most passionate about is using creativity to impact people in a positive way. Mm. So it's like, I, I'll never, I'll never be able to do these things because no one's going to take me seriously. Wow. So everything I disqualified myself right. from because of the be- behavior that I had, I didn't see a life worth living. So I made a plan to take my life. And on the day that I was going to take my life, um, often people will do this where you'll, you'll, you'll make a deal where if this happens, you won't do it. Or if this happens, if you then, will. Yeah. yeah. And for me, I had one last check and I was like, I'm going to deposit it in the bank. And uh, normally I would do Dropbox or ATM because on the memo of the check, the director would always write something grotesque, like what, 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 what you're being compensated for. Mm. And I, I never cared because I would just go Dropbox ATM. Yeah. This time, on purpose, I wanted to go to a teller, slide it across the counter, and have her look at me and look disgusted or say something or at least some kind of snarky smirk. Yeah. And that was going to be the thing that justified what I was going to do. And I walk into the bank, I slide the check across the counter, and I wait. And instead, she looks me in the eye and says, Joshua, are you okay? Oh my gosh. Joshua, is there wow. some, is there something I can do for you? And what she didn't know wow. is I hadn't heard my name in over a year Oh, because in that industry, you go by a pseudonym. Oh, okay. That, okay, that okay. in itself. Yeah, stage name. Yeah. It's not even you. Right. But so that in everything's itself, fake. Yeah. So, so that in itself should point to shame. I, if you want to be famous for doing that thing, why would you not use your own name? You don't. Wow. So for me, the beauty of accountability is that if, if you come to me and say, Hey, uh, I heard you speaking to your wife in a way that doesn't line up with who you are, man. What's going on? Like, yeah, are you like, what are yeah. you struggling with? Like, are you tired? What, like, what's like, what's going on? Like that doesn't line up with who I know you to be. And I've got two different ways I could respond. Cause I mean, thank you for saying that you're right. I need to go apologize to her and really like figure out what's going on. I would love to spend some time. Like, can you know, let, can we meet for coffee tomorrow? Or I can say, Hey man, Mind your business. And then I distance myself from the relationship. Mm. What I had done is I'd pushed myself away from my mom, my, my brother, uh, any, anyone that I had a relationship with that they were saying, hey, Joshua, I love you, but you're better yeah. than the way you're living. You're better than so that. I pushed them all away to the point a whole year I have not heard my name. On the day that I was going to take my life, it was my name that a saved teller me. that saved you. So, wow. so that interaction happens. I go and I call my mom. We have this, you know, snot filled conversation and I quit the industry that day. I go wow. back to North Carolina and then I start working in a gym, but the, the gym was actually the fish because I start working in the gym. Yeah. I start, you know, the, the time that I spent, you know, working on communication was doing me a service. Like in that industry, I started loving, you know, being able to help someone get somewhere they didn't believe they could go. And, you know, so started getting your heart back. Right. And then in that, but same, same thing though, I'm going to be, I'm going to become the most accredited, the best trainer, (laughs) make the most money, same thing. And then I did that for two years. But I was suffering in silence. Uh, on the, aesthetically, I looked like everything was fine. Yeah. It, when I laid my head down the pillow, I was hurting just the same. And then uh, two years into this, I meet this girl. I ask her on a date. She says no. We, we meet. To, she, she agrees to a run. We go to meet for this run. And the run never made its way to a run. It stayed a walk. And b- before she got there, I just felt like, man... I'm just so tired of hiding and lying. I'm just going to tell her and do her the favor of not being hurt by someone like me. And I'm like, Hey, 
let me give you a five minute monologue for how bad of a person I am. And I told her everything. And at the end of that, she said, are you doing those things currently? And I said, no. She's like, well, a person's not defined by the worst thing they've ever done. Oh. And a person is not defined by the greatest thing they'll ever do. Wow. God defines who you are. There's a cre- He's the creator of all things, and he gets the final say. Do you know him? And I was like, sure. Sure I do. Because I believed my—I would have even said I was a Christian, but it was contingent of me acknowledging that God created all things, including me. And that's yeah, where it was performance-based. Sure. And, yeah. Yeah. And, then, and then she dug a little deeper. You know, what's your relationship with Jesus like? Where do you attend church? And I was just like, okay. You, and that's when you met Hope. Yeah. And so like, yeah, so I I meet her and then, you know, she invites me to church and we go to church and I hear this, you know, I hear, I hear this message out of second Samuel talking about this dynamic between Jonathan and David. And, you know, previously when, when a King died, the previous kingdom was completely wiped out, but David was different. He was, Hey, is there anyone left? And they go and find Mephibosheth and uh, that he brings him into his kingdom, restores his land. But the unique thing is he took that and he tied it into, Hey, uh, Romans 3.23 says that we've all sinned and fall, fall, mm-hmm. fall short of the glory of God. And the death that Mephibosheth was expecting because he knew history, guess what? Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. We're all guilty and we're all deserving of death, but there's good news. And he shared the gospel. And I was, I was wrestling with it because I'm like, hey, everything that he said, I, I, I just know in my bones it's true. Yeah. But my own father didn't want me. Wow. Why would God in flesh die for me? Wow. And then he continues and he talks about Hebrews 12. It's like, man, Jesus, with joy set before him, he endured the cross. So yes, it was obedience to the Father, but it was also love for me. Wow. So the Father that I so desperately desired, I realized I had. And he found. loved me. And yeah, so like on that day, I fell to my face and the Holy Spirit does what the Holy Spirit, only the Holy Spirit can do. And I surrendered my life to Jesus and uh, I stood up a new man and the, the shame and the guilt and the, the belief that I was nobody was gone because wow. the, 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 the one who matters most, the king of all kings, he died for me. Yeah. And yeah, man. So like that, that was a new identity in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And then it's so funny. So my, my, so I married that girl, you know, that I walk walk, that's my wife. Her name is hope. Uh, the church is hope community church. And that's where I found (laughs) uh, hope in the person of Jesus Christ. So we, we have, what's the pastor's name? Uh, Mike Lee. Yeah. Mike Lee. And, uh, yeah. So we, uh, our nonprofit is called finding hope. So it's awesome. Talking with Joshua Broom. It's been great having you on brave men. That's uh, Joshua Broom, uh, O-O-M-E dot M-E is your website, Joshua yeah. Broom dot M-E. And in um, the Conquer series, if, if you're struggling with pornography right now, dealing with the addiction, or you go, well, I'm really not addicted, but I just kind of watch it occasionally, then uh, find help. The Conquer series, Jeremy Wiles, our, our great friend, uh, produced that. James Kraft, who has a, a ministry you can find out online. Blaine Bartell. Uh, same thing. Pure Desires, another great ministry. My friend Josh Spurlock with um, yourcounselor.com. Uh, there's a number of different places. Uh, you talk to your pastor. Most yeah. pastors now in this day and age have some sort of reference point or place that you yeah. can get a resource. And 
And you've got uh, you've got resources on your website. Yeah, I would say the the thing that I've done most recently that I'm I'm most passionate about. So John Bevere is a mentor of mine uh-huh. and one of his closest friends. Um, lo- one of one of my closest friends is his oldest son Addison. Okay. Um. So John Bevere has an app called Messenger X. That's right. And uh, yeah. on that app, wrote a whole book on it. Yeah. Kryptonite. Yeah. So so yeah. So uh, crypt- killing Kryptonite was one of the first mm-hmm. books that I, that I read, but. Um, so on, on that app, Messenger X, um, there's a six-part series that Addison and I do a, a teaching on, and it's called Triumph Over Temptation. Wow. So it's a free app. It's called Triumph Over Temptation, and uh, I've got a book coming out March 5th, um, Seven Lies That'll Ruin Your Life. And it's really, hey, the world promises satisfaction, and your heart actually longs for it. But there's truth to be found in the person of Jesus, and that is the one thing that will truly satisfy you and leave you free. Well, I'm fired up about this, Joshua Broom. Seven Lies Will uh, Ruin Your Life, uh, the book. Uh, look up joshuabroom.me. Uh, go to cmn.men, uh, and we'll link up all these things. But, dude, it's been great meeting you and getting just exposing, you know, find, you know, when we put the light on these things, yeah, it helps us find a reference point in which we're able to say, oh, you know what? The enemy's trying to take me out. John 10, 10 is real. Yeah. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And right now, there's somebody listening who even today might struggle with this. And, yeah. and they get a little extra time or they, whatever the, the case may be. Or, or like you said, you didn't take the computer into your bedroom or yeah. bathroom. And, and right then you can say, hey, the enemy right now is trying to take me out. This is a hook right here. Yeah. The enemy's trying to take me out. And I'm going to fight this thing, going to win. Yeah. But I think, um, you know, to me, you've got Addison, you've got other friends, yeah. right? You've got your wife. I think we need friends. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, I think we the, need a band of brothers. Yeah. So the thing that changed my life was, uh, so there was a man, his name's Andrew Yates, and uh, he, he's for almost eight years now, we, we sit down and we have these conversations, we call them hot conversations, <laughs> honest, open and transparent. And he asked me, you know, how am I doing spiritually? How am I doing physically? How am I doing mentally? How, how, how's my marriage? And I trust him enough to tell him the truth. Yeah. And he trusts, you know, and, and he loves me enough yeah. to, to give to me a real honest. response. Because yeah. sometimes we need to be stabbed in the front, right? Sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. sometimes we need, uh, you know, yeah. encouragement, but sometimes we need a kick so in the butt. Good. So it's like, man, uh, what, what stays in the dark will grow. And what you bring into light, it will be eradicated by the love of Christ, man. Sometimes we need you know, not, a, not a partial confession because we're only as free as we're honest. And when we're yeah. ready to be honest... That, that's when Jesus will come in and he'll take you to a level, level of healing, a level of freedom, and you'll be able to operate on, in a man. level of boldness. That, that boldness and authority on, that man. comes with the Holy Spirit, it comes in a place of fully being surrendered. Not yeah. you doing the right thing, being fully surrendered. So that's, that's what I want for, for people, and that's what changed my life. Yeah, don't be a mushroom. Yeah, Jesus yeah. saved my life, but, but <laughs> applying the Bible to my life, that's what changed me. So good. Yeah, don't be a mushroom uh, in the dark and covered with crap. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Joshua Broom, thanks, man. God bless you in everything you do. Pray that the Lord blesses you and your wife. You've got three little boys. you got another boy coming. This is fantastic. I love the fact that there's these some young men who are going to have an awesome dad. Yeah, and, uh, can't wait. Yeah, amen. God bless you, man. Thank you so much. Brave Men is a production of Christian Men's Network, a global movement of men committed to passionately following Jesus on the ground in over 100 nations worldwide. You can receive the Brave Men motivational email, find books and resources for discipleship and parenting at cmn.men. That's cmn.men. 
Your host has been Paul Lewis Cole, president of Christian Men's Network. And if you haven't yet, please make sure you subscribe to the Brave Men Podcast wherever your fine podcasts are downloaded. Thanks for hanging with us today. We'll see you next time on Brave Men. Brave Men.